Welcome to another episode of the Pacific Current Podcast. I'm Jenica Kay. And this is Andrew T. Joining us on the show today, we have Melly James, founding partner of Mana Up. Welcome to the show, Melly. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what Mana Up is? Yeah, so Mana Up is an initiative creating and building the next 100 Hawaii product companies earning multi-million dollar annual revenue. It's really an initiative around, you know, jobs and sustainable livelihood and really um, focusing on creating 100 next headquarters here. A lot of the accelerator is about scaling these products and how we can increase exports and, and grow these companies past mom and pop level to ones that actually want to scale. For us, it was really important that we looked at products that were leveraging the brand of Hawaii in some capacity. We think that's a key component. It's so hard to do business in Hawaii as is, but how can we start elevating and educating the world on Hawaii through an authentic narrative and connection to culture and start to command a higher price point as consumers are learning more about what really is from Hawaii as opposed to the many companies out there that are leveraging our brand that have absolutely nothing to do with Hawaii <laughs> and uh, Hawaii profits from none of it. So let's start, let's start changing yeah. that a little bit. How much does authenticity have to do with the companies that come through your door, I guess, on that note? Yeah, so we look at authenticity in a way around what's good for Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And we believe that as we create industry here, job opportunities and entrepreneurial opportunities, that the headquarters is really important to be based here in Hawaii. You know, as we look at great companies like Manaola is a wonderful mm -hmm. example yeah. of, of a, we'd love to see a hundred more companies making different products, of course, not all making the same product, but you, know, you look at what kind of growth they've had over the last three years, what kinds of revenues they've had, and they've got a wonderful headquarters right here on Nimitz, you know, employing 10 people that are all kind of C-suite managerial positions that are essential to Hawaii as we look at sustainable livelihood and opportunity here. So, you know, when we look at authenticity, we look at is the company elevating or educating consumers on Hawaii in some way? Are they based here? Are they providing jobs here? And are they looking to scale? So that's where we kind of draw our line. You know, we don't actually look at the company needing to make 100% of their product here. We're not trying to build the next manufacturing state, yeah. being Hawaii. We do believe in light manufacturing and that we do need more infrastructure here, absolutely, to get to get companies to a certain level. But that's not the key piece to, to Mana Up. So really about the people then. Yeah, it's about the people and the job opportunities. You know, you take a look at, you know, looking at sustainable livelihood, unless you're in an uncommissioned sales position, you're an executive or you're an owner of your own business, that is when you have true uncapped wealth potential. And when I say wealth, I don't mean, you know, everyone here is just trying to get rich. It's really about how we, we create opportunity and really can be stewards of the land by being able to be economically sustainable as well as sustainable in other ways. So we went to the Monop event. It was an excellent event. Thank you. And having all of those, and they all kind of had a, an agricultural focus, yeah? yeah? All of your products. Why did you want to have that component for the products that you chose? So we actually didn't originally have that oh. as a theme. And so okay. when you're mentioning the showcase, the showcase happened April 27th at, at Salt in Arkakaako, where we had about 550 people, and <laughs> all 10 of our companies did a three-minute pitch um, and had a panel of, I wouldn't call them judges, but they were more 
kind of being able to ask different questions. We had one as an investor from a venture fund that just opened an office here in Honolulu that invests in some product companies. We had the founding partner or the founding CEO of Kona Brewing Company, Matson Davis, kind of coming at questions from more of a founder, you know, a company that was really built here in Hawaii, that started here in Hawaii, was able to be acquired, but really started here, And even though it's so hard to do that. And then the third was the general manager of DFS Waikiki, and they see about 22,000 people a day. So he really understands more on the buyer side of things. So when we did our call for applications, which was in November of last year, we weren't sure what was going to come in. We definitely knew that there was a need, and we that's kind of how we crafted the criteria for the companies we were looking for, but we didn't know it was going to happen. And it was all word of mouth. Mana Up had just launched as well. So we were a startup in and of itself. <laughs> and so we ended up getting 85 applications. And a theme started to arise from the top applicants that we were really liking. This agricultural component where all 10 of our companies ended up either sourcing or growing their own raw material from the islands as part of their product mix which is really quite powerful when you look at what's happening in ag right now. What does the next 150 years look like for ag in Hawaii? And how do we start taking advantage of these industries? Like, you know, with ag changing, with tourism on the rise, you know, we see opportunity with tourists. You know, why don't we start increasing their average daily spend going more towards Mm -hmm. local products? Mm -hmm. Why are we exporting a lot of our dollars that these tourists are spending here in the islands? How can we start taking advantage of these opportunities that can work for us. Out of the first cohort, were there any companies that kind of surprised you going through? Surprised me in what way? There were a lot of surprises, good and bad. (laughs) In a good way, like companies that you thought maybe didn't have as much potential, but by the end of the, what was it, 12 weeks? Mm -hmm. 12 week course. They kind of transformed thinking or yeah i'd say you know when we when we did the interviews and we had a large selection committee it it certainly wasn't you know myself and my co-founders picking teams we had some pretty heavy hitters on our selection committee to really help guide us and i'll say that one of our criteria was that they had to be at a minimum hundred thousand annual revenue Mm -hmm. so these aren't startups they've figured out a few things but they certainly have a lot of room to grow of course Mm -hmm. Um, we want to get them you know into the eight digits and so I'd say, you know, one of the companies that really surprised me was Mamalani Mele. Yeah. She was a little bit earlier in her company as a, you know, with regard to like revenues, but there was this, this huge, and she's just such a doer and such an yeah. executor and just so impressed with how much she's been able to accomplish. Mm-hmm. You know, looking at her background, obviously she's got a great background in nutrition and, mm-hmm. and some other things, but even the design work that she's done for the products That's she's beautiful. done herself. The um, packaging is great. Her narrative is wonderful, Mm -hmm. and she's really, um, I think, in a good place at the right time Mm -hmm. to take advantage of global trends happening around, especially the deodorant. People are trying to not use the antiperspirants Mm -hmm. with the aluminum. She really impressed us, even though coming in a little bit not as uh, advanced as some of the other companies, but really made up a lot of area in a very short amount of time. Yeah, I I would agree. When I saw her pitch and then I saw her featured in the uh, Allure magazine. Mm-hmm. And that was just really impressive there. And then we got to talk to her after and she's like, yeah, it's kind of just me and my dad and <laughs> still looking for employees. I was like, what do you need to scale? And she's talking about, you know, kind of get a better marketing strategy and all these different things. But I was I was pretty impressed by her. Yeah. I mean, it, that's I mean, kind of the beauty of an accelerator. I mean, that's the difference between what an accelerator is and an incubator. Mm-hmm. An accelerator has a very specific start and end date. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. time where you're expected to heavily accelerate your, the growth of your business within a very specific amount of time. So ours is 12 weeks. So we're throwing massive amounts of resources, mentors, curated introductions to mentors, you know, whatever that scaling challenges that they've identified or the two or three challenges, we, we take the time to do those introductions and to make sure that they can start moving towards those challenges that they have, whether it's a supply issue, packaging, branding, narrative, whatever that is, we are pushing a lot of resources towards them. And we love the companies that are taking advantage of that. I mean, mm-hmm. why would you not? And that are coachable and, and really want to scale. You know, there's a lot of great companies here that are at mom and pop, lifestyle businesses, doing well, covering bills, and that's where they want to stay. It's a, it's a lifestyle business. And that's sure. absolutely great. Those just wouldn't be the companies that would go through Monop Accelerator. I see. So going back kind of to the selection process, what set apart the companies besides the just the revenue um, from those who made it, from those who didn't make it in this round? Well, when the theme kind of started to come um, into place with the ag component, that became a theme that we mm-hmm. really wanted to go with. So there were actually a bunch of companies that we really liked but they didn't quite fit the theme. And the theme may heavily change for the next Mm -hmm. part. We never know. (laughs) But I think, you know, lots of things that I look for in an entrepreneur, which I've done in other accelerators that I've worked with in Hawaii, is around coachability Mm -hmm. and execution, as well as, you know, really that that desire to grow. And looking at the market, what is the market saying that this is a product that is ready to start to really scale. I mean, we could think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, but if mm-hmm. nobody else thinks it is yet, <laughs> we may have to wait or, you know, take a look at what's going on on the outside. But yeah, that's that's really kind of what we were looking for. And also, you know, we never want to have products that are competing with each other. So we wouldn't take, you know, two honeys mm-hmm. or anything like that, two tea companies. And also just really looking at, you know, who the person is and when you, when you go through a cohort, there's so much magic that happens just within the cohort itself. And we just try to stay out of the way, yeah. you know, and that's why we always have a pauhana after we have our heavy workshop days and make sure that they've got time to socialize. And that's, that's kind of the neat part of, of when the teams are starting to work with each other and has nothing mm-hmm. even to do with us. Mm-hmm. We found out, you know, that three of them were still buying all their sugar from Costco. And they're like, oh my God, we should go on a pallet <laughs> together. But that's all the kind of stuff and the magic that happens mm-hmm. when you just get smart people in a room that all are, you know, like-minded and moving towards, you know, initiatives that are trying to build this entrepreneurial ecosystem in their companies. And we, again, we just stay out of the way sometimes. Sometimes we really get in the way. We're trying to, you know, curate mentorship and, you know, to give access to resources. And the, the beauty about Mana Up is there's so many great resources in Hawaii and so many of them that people don't even know about. We're just trying to help connect the dots and make sure people utilize them and know about them. We try to fill in certain gaps that may not have existed in the past, but so many of the resources, even, you know, like the foreign trade zone, across the street from restaurant row. So many people don't even know about the foreign trade zone. And it's got incredible storage rates and office rates. And Mm -hmm. they just have so many great resources there. Um, And they host workshops. D-Bed's got a great workshop series called High Step. And I love, you know, I'm a kind of a people collector and a resource collector. Every time I meet people or I hear about resources, we're constantly, you know, putting it into something where we want to give access so that everyone wins. Quick question. So why Hawaii and why now for Mana Up? So why Hawaii? I think it's important. 
when, you know, we look at this term innovation and entrepreneurship has been these buzzwords for a long time. And especially as we've been trying to build industry here to complement tourism and military, you know, what is this third leg of industry that can create opportunity for Kamaina or for, you know, anyone that really wants to live in Hawaii? And we know it's really hard to do business here. So for us, we looked at, okay, if you're going to do business in Hawaii, how do you start leveraging regional strengths? And how can you leverage a regional strength that can make it make sense to do business in Hawaii? So when you think of regional strengths, I believe that the brand of Hawaii is one of our strongest regional strengths. It's globally loved. It can command a higher price point. We see so many companies on the mainland leveraging this brand, making hundreds of millions of dollars. And, and we don't, we're not, we're not taking advantage of it. And we're also looking at kind of a why now to answer that piece is look at millennials. There's a global trend happening with millennials where people are flipping over the package. What are the ingredients? Who's the founder? Where is this actually from? What's the narrative behind this? Buying the $7 kombuchas, right? As opposed to, you know, we've got the baby boomers still buying the 50 cent diet Cokes, but the, mm-hmm. you know, the millennials are buying the $7 kombuchas and, and people are really becoming more conscious. Even looking at tourism and trends around that area, people are really wanting a connection to culture. And we're seeing this renaissance in Hawaii. The biggest example of that being Hokulea, um, where I think, you know, 10 years ago, there wasn't this renaissance happening. And now that's very different. So it's how do we start taking advantage of a culture that um, is ours and that we we should be the ones telling this story. We should be the ones educating people on Hawaii through our products with this authentic lens. And we should be absolutely taking advantage of these global trends happening where people are actually really interested in this and they want this stuff and they want to learn. I totally agree. I kind of feel like our listeners would love to hear a little bit about your background. Uh, we like jumped into Mana Up, but just could you share a little bit about what you've done, where you've been? Sure. Yeah. So I was born and raised on Oahu um, and then left to go to college on the East Coast and then lived in San Francisco for about 10 years where I started a couple companies myself in the mobile app world. My first one was a wine app. It was actually the number one wine app on the iTunes store for about five years. And it was a $4 app. We helped you find great wine. It was clearly a problem that I needed to have solved. (laughs) And thank goodness, a lot of other people had the same problem. So um, it was a a pretty successful app. We were a top 100 overall paid app and a top 10 lifestyle app during our time. I started a couple other companies in the Bay Area and then decided to move home to build an innovation ecosystem in Hawaii. I wasn't sure what that really meant, mm-hmm. but I really love startups and I loved San Francisco and I thought, well, why can't I why can't we do this here? Yeah. So, when I first moved back, I joined Blue Startups as their program manager, yep. and that was an incredible ride for, you know, a couple of years with uh, you know, Hank Rogers, Hank Rogers. obviously mm-hmm. at the helm and Chanel Farnsworth. And then I moved on to Accelerate UH, Consultant Ventures. And that was incredible, really looking at um, commercializing intellectual property, being born at the university and working closely with the University of Hawaii. And then, you know, started Mana Up last year. So, you know, looking at um, one of the reasons for Mana Up was around how do we look at innovation more broadly? And I think we've really focused a lot on tech and technology, and technology innovation. Um, and that's obviously a huge piece of startups and innovation entrepreneurship. Absolutely. But how do we kind of broaden 
what we see entrepreneurship as, and especially in Hawaii. And as we look at taking advantage of regional strengths, I feel like we can take advantage of the brand of Hawaii best through products. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even looking at exports. We're 51 out of 51 states in the worst exports per capita. <laughs> um, and <laughs> so, you know, as we look to expand, as we look to scale, as we look to grow past local production for local consumption and really looking at these retail and value-add food products that are good for export to get to those next levels of scaling, that's that's really how we started to hone in on Mana Up. And value-add food is, is a really important component to local production for local consumption. As you know, you look at any kind of ag component, you're going to have 40% of anything you're growing is going to go to essentially waste. Whether it's disfiguration, discoloration, whatever it is, it can't go in the grocery store shelf. What are we doing with that excess? Looking at even one of our company's monkey pot jams out of Kauai, mm-hmm. 100% of her jams and jellies are made from Kauai farmers. And this is excess, you know, 40% that was going to is basically zero on their revenue line. Wow. Um, and now she's buying, you know, all of it. And the jam is so good. <laughs> so yes. I just have to say, if you haven't got the jam, grab some it's French bread. Yeah, yes, of, uh, it's the tomato, the tomato one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, there's, and there's the a mountain Iowa. apple, pepper mountain oh, apple. Oh, man, oh, yeah. I need yeah. more. I need like every flavor. Yeah. I'm almost done with my papaya. We don't even <laughs> so we don't even put it on bread. We just scoop it with a spoon. <laughs> the lily quite curry. We just scoop oh, with a spoon and no. eat it. Oh. <laughs> I like so, that ginger one. It's got a little... Little bite, yeah. yeah. That's so awesome, though. And she found that opportunity on her own. I didn't hear her uh, her story. It came from a, a need. She, I think, she got laid off as a teacher. She's a teacher, right? And she was getting married, and they needed to make some extra money. And mm-hmm. so, and, and her family had made jams and jellies where she was originally from on the mainland. And so, she saw this opportunity with these farmers having these excess fruits and vegetables that were going literally to waste, mm-hmm. like being thrown to the pigs or whatever, um, and then had this skill set, and there was this desire, and people and started off at the farmer's market, and she was selling out and just kept growing and growing. Now, she has a tasting room and a little cafe in Lawai on Kauai. That's so awesome. Such good stories, yeah, from the... Oh, there is, yeah. I'm sure you could tell us more stories about... Everybody. I sure can. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been home uh, since returning from San Francisco? I moved back home in 2012. 2012. Yeah, okay. Okay. 2012. Okay, so about six, six years. years. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. how have you seen the startup scene change since you've been home? I think it's changed so much, and yeah. it's awesome. When I first moved back, there was maybe one event a week, maybe one every two weeks. <laughs> there would be like a wet wear Wednesday once a month. <laughs> yeah. And then I actually started a pitch event, a quarterly pitch event called Han New Tech. I started it because I was trying to create stuff yeah. happening here. Yeah. So it was a pitch event that I thought was kind of needed to give people opportunities to pitch in front of larger audiences yeah. where you didn't have to go through an accelerator to get that opportunity. So it was just people in the community that wanted to pitch their idea or pitch a company they're working on. Um, and so I actually did that for a few years. I haven't done one in a long time. And I think the nice part of why I haven't is I haven't needed to because there's so many great events happening that I love when there's some huge startup event that happens and I didn't even know about it. Cause that means like, you know, it's, it's bigger 
than than just you or not that not that it ever was, but you know, it's just it's bigger than yourself and it's bigger than everyone, and that there's great things happening all over the place. And I I couldn't be more thrilled to learn about things I missed out on (laughs) (laughs) after the fact. Yeah, we're we're thrilled with the momentum and thrilled that we can be adding on to what innovation is and entrepreneurial opportunities, alternative career pathways, and just, you know, people to feel like when they do graduate from college that they can come home. I know when I graduated from college, I didn't feel like I could move home. Um, and that's why I ended up in the Bay Area for 10 years. And I think, I think a lot of people, I can't tell you how many people I have coffee with every time it's the holidays. People are coming home and reaching out. And I, I, I'm like, come on in, like, let's talk. I should start a recruiting, you know, agency or something. I really should, actually. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, and I, I even have CEOs reaching out to me here yeah. saying, "Hey, we need, we're looking to hire people. Do you know anyone?" So it's coming from both sides, which is great to see because obviously that means we we can create some of those connections. Yeah. So that was one thing. I, mean, I don't know if you talked about that or somebody talked about that. Was the brain drain? Mm-hmm. It's a lot of smart people from Hawaii taking their ideas and going to the mainland, but not coming back. Is that something that, that you've tried to solve through doing things like Mana Up? Yeah, I think we've had some successes with startups starting here. And of course, if they need to follow the capital or perhaps the market that they're targeting is not here, mm-hmm. that they've had to leave. And we certainly would want them to leave and succeed as opposed to stay and die. Yeah. Right? I mean, that that's the choice, obviously. Right. Um, and we, we support all of those companies. And many of them are doing really well. Um with Mana Up, the model is a little bit different. Okay. It is more of a small business model as opposed to a high-growth venture-backable model. So these companies are already revenue-generating. They're increasing month over month with customers and revenue. We want these companies it, where it makes sense to stay in Hawaii because if you're talking about authenticity mm-hmm. and we're talking about you know, creating this connection to culture, and, and differentiating yourself from the other companies who aren't based in Hawaii, mm-hmm. saying that they're Hawaiian, then that gives an incentive to stay here, mm-hmm. right? So we're trying to build some of these businesses, you know, here to last and to create these job opportunities. So, um, you know, that's a little bit of the difference. It's more of a s- small business. And small business certainly doesn't mean small revenue. Mm-hmm. It just means that it's really around kind of steady growth. Okay. And so that's that's what we're focused on here. And, and really focus on products. So now that you've wrapped your first cohort, you talked about that you're going to be gathering everyone together and kind of getting feedback of how everything went. In your opinion, how, how do you feel that it went? I think the first cohort went really well. We couldn't have asked for a better one. They were just amazing people. We really enjoyed everyone. There wasn't, you know, a bad apple where you're like, oh, God, I'm not <laughs> And they all really loved each other. I mean, people, we do a pohana after all of our workshops. People hang out and they really enjoy each other, which is, which you really like, as I mentioned, is part of that magic. So I think anytime you you start an accelerator, your your first cohort is going to be strong Mm -hmm. because there has been this kind of built up need Mm -hmm. for a while. So people are chomping at the bit saying, we love like, you know, more resources, mentors, access Mm -hmm. to capital. And, And that's really, you know, what we're trying to do is, take a lot of what we learned from the tech sector and mm-hmm. the um, accelerators that we've been involved with. My business partner, Brittany Hyde, was a co-founder of 1776, which is a global incubator and venture fund out of DC. 
So she's had incredible experience globally um, and nationally and taking a lot of the things that she's learned and building up industry here in Hawaii as, as well as, you know, the experiences that I've had, which have been you know very different. And so that's kind of layering just all of these great experiences we've had into an area that really hasn't been given as much attention from at least the innovation entrepreneurial sector that has been, like I said earlier, more tech focused. But yeah, I think what's also neat is one of the, one of the initiatives is around capacity and how do we have start to gain critical mass. So when you think about this brain drain, idea of brain drain, it's if we can create more industry here where there's more job opportunities that are, you know, interesting, God forbid, and also <laughs> higher paying, and you start attracting more smart people to come home, when you create that critical mass, it's not about, okay, well, I moved home for this one job and now I'm here for this one job forever. <laughs> you can really start bouncing around, which you should be able yes. to. And that's what you can do in the Bay Area. That's what you can do in New York. That's what you can do in all these metropolitan cities where it just becomes a hub of smart people with lots of opportunity. And maybe it wasn't the first job you ended up moving home for. It was something else you learned about two years later because there's opportunity here. And so that's what we're trying to build with, with Mana Up and with these headquarters here. At the end of the day, you have to have headquarters here in order to create real opportunity. You, you know, you guys work at big companies that have headquarters here. Um, and that's really the sky's the limit in terms of growth, as opposed to the highest you can go would be the manager of a satellite office. Mm. So that's, that's part of this broader initiative of workforce development, jobs, sustainable livelihood here in Hawaii. So for the next generation that's coming up for high school students, for college graduates, what is your advice that you give to them that are budding entrepreneurs? Hmm. <laughs> Let's see. I give a lot of advice, actually. I'm an entrepreneur in residence at Cornell University, yes. which is my alma mater, and I go up there every six months. So I'm kind of like a counselor as well. <laughs> I give them advice on their entrepreneurial endeavors as well as just life in general. I would say, you know, if you're interested in entrepreneurship, it doesn't have to be only like this side of the spectrum or this. It's not, oh, I'm going to get some horrible, boring corporate job or I got to go for bust and raise money and have my own startup and eat ramen and do whatever and work code all night. It's not just that or that. There's a lot of things in the middle that you can gain experience and also gain experience on someone else's dime to make sure that this is right for you. You could be interning at a startup to see if it's right for you. When you get out of college, you could get a job at a more well-funded startup. And granted, you're not going to get as much equity as you would with a startup that's less well-funded because it's always a balance of equity and salary. But you can see what it's like working for a startup where you're wearing more hats and start to gain that kind of experience where it's not, oh my God, I, you know, I'm not going to get a job. I'm going to start a company when I graduate <laughs> from college. And if you are, that's awesome. Go for, go for it. I know when I first started my first company, I, I didn't budget myself well enough. I ran out of money pretty fast and we had to get very creative with the company on how we could start producing some revenue that was a little bit not in the main scope of how we ultimately were going to make money, but we had to make some adjustments because 
we didn't budget correctly. And, you know, you never, you never want to make decisions out of desperation. You want to make strategic decisions. So I say, if you're going to start a company, try to keep your day job for as long as possible yeah. or have a part-time job or some way that you're able to get your basic needs covered so that you don't start making decisions out of desperation. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> What's your favorite part of what you do right now? What do you enjoy the most? That's a good question. I think there's kind of two things. I'd answer it two ways. One, like I said, I love collecting information, people, resources. And I love when someone's having a challenge and I, I can introduce them to the right person mm. or say, have you talked, have you met with these guys over at this resource center? They can absolutely help you. And being able to connect those dots, I love it. The other piece is, you know, really starting to see movement with our companies where they have taken advantage of these resources and they've made deals, they've leased land, mm -hmm. they've gotten commercial space, um, they've changed their packaging, they've adjusted their narrative, and we're building our economic impact report right now. So that's been really fun, seeing some of these quantitative numbers coming in, but also the qualitative information coming in and the, and the great stories of, of, of what the companies got out of the program. Mm -hmm. And uh, really seeing the community get behind what we're doing as well. I think it was really neat, especially at the showcase, seeing how many consumers were just there having fun <laughs> oh, yeah. and having a couple of drinks and going shopping. And, and then also this, to see the business community there, to see our, our sponsors and partners there and, and really enjoying those pitches and seeing more of the business side of things and to what these companies are, are doing and building, but also just being able to have fun and tasting. And I think that's been the neat part of, about seeing lots of stakeholders come together just to, to support entrepreneurship is we've got the community, we've got business, we've got investors, we've got, you know, support organizations, government, entrepreneurs, all of these people coming in to the same room and supporting something that's so Hawaii and it's so about right now. I'm just really excited to see what's going to happen even in another six months. Do you feel like it's a different, like the vibe is different in Hawaii than it is in San Francisco? Like is it something about being home in the islands, being around island people? Yeah, I, I would say in San Francisco, there's not a mass exodus, but there is an exodus happening out of San Francisco where, you know, it's almost like in L.A., everybody's an actor, yeah. but then they're also a waiter or waitress. <laughs> and so in San Francisco, everyone's an entrepreneur. Everyone's mm -hmm. working on something. So you can really get lost in the shuffle. Mm -hmm. And I think in Hawaii, there really is a great support system. People do care. They, they want to hear you. They want to help. And there's lots of resources to take advantage of. When you look at what Mana Up is doing, you look at place-based entrepreneurship and where we're taking advantage of this very specific place. This isn't anywhere America. This mm -hmm. isn't, oh, you know, we're helping people build products in Hawaii. It's products that are leveraging the brand. And as we continue to elevate and create value around that brand, that people are differentiating between companies that are not here and the ones that are here and you are creating a true connection to culture and you can command that higher price point, it makes sense for our businesses to continue to succeed and have it make sense to continue to do business in Hawaii. So I think that's the piece that is different and it's so Hawaii where we're got the support network, but we also have this wonderful love for our home and we want to share it with the world more so now than I think things had been in the past. Yeah, it's exciting. 
So the word entrepreneur, I know it's kind of being thrown around a lot these days. What does that mean to you? I'd say an entrepreneur is someone who has a problem-solving mentality. And whether that is that they have started their own company or they're tinkering as a hobby on the side, or they are a problem solver within their own organization or corporation, I think it's a mindset shift that makes you see the world as an opportunity to problem solve and to look for inefficiencies and to not be a victim saying, well, this is how it's been. This is how it's always going to be. What can I do about it? So I'd say that's an entrepreneur's to me. Anything that you think you'd want to change as you move forward with Mana Up? We wanted to start the program as fast as possible. So as soon as mm-hmm. you know we were able to get enough funding, we launched our first call for applications. We started two months later. People were like, I can't believe you already, like, I, you already finished your first cohort. Um, and we really wanted the first cohort under our belts to learn, to learn what the real needs were, where the gaps are, and to make tweaks to the next cohort to create a real resource. So I'd say through cohort one, a lot of doors opened for partnerships with entities that I think are going to be able to provide a lot of help to our companies. And as we continue to grow, we want to forge more of those relationships so that when someone comes into our program, there's so many doors that are already ready and open because we vetted these companies that it starts to create this really great pipeline of more and more local companies getting not only national exposure, but access to stores nationally as well as you know really being able to scale. And that's really exciting as it's, it's a real game changer. Were the companies ready for the program? Because I feel like you have so much experience, so you're probably used to working at this pace. Do you feel like the companies were ready or um, how can people prepare, I guess, to be ready for this? I think the companies were ready and we were pretty straightforward about what the expectation is. Mm-hmm. So if you weren't interested in scaling and you couldn't identify you know, the one or two scaling challenges that you felt was really holding you back, then we were going to see right through that. And there were a lot of companies that weren't ready. And that's not to say that they won't be successful, that we can't work with them in cohort two or three or mm-hmm. four. But it was through that interview process, we actually did identify saying, hey, these are the things you need to get done before you reapply. And so that was really neat for us to see and for them to get that really hard feedback, especially because our screening committee is so experienced. We've just got great people on it that they essentially got a, you know, a free 30 minute consultation yeah. saying, Hey, you're not ready, but these are the three things that you need to get done and then reapply. And they were like, thank you so much. But the companies we did pick, we did feel were, were ready and wanting to scale and had identified the areas they needed to work on and wanted to really take that next step. And, you know, if you feel like you're working hard, working, you know, 60, 80 hours a week, mm-hmm. now times that by two. That's even possible. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's more than 24 hours. But whatever it is, you know, know that when you come into an accelerator, you need to put certain things on pause. You know, you may not be going canoe, you know, paddling if you're trying to do you know, the summer sprints, you're not, you're not down in the water by 4.30, three days a week, you are working. And that's not to say that exercise isn't important. Obviously we need balance, but when we've got a 12 week program and we've got people flying in, mentors flying in, we expect that you're going to be available to take advantage of those resources 
and it's mm-hmm. only 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. And you guys took them out of state too as well, right? Yeah, we went to Expo West, which is the largest national product show on the West Coast. It's an Anaheim Convention Center. And that convention is really hard to get into. We were lucky that one of our partners, Hawaiian Ola, had an extra booth that they didn't need and offered it to us. And so we were able to take three of our companies to Expo West. And that was incredible. Just the number of buyers that were there, people that we met as Mana Up. And we actually just had a follow-up meeting with one of the big buyers that we met there. We just went to their headquarters on Kapolei. And I'm hoping that's going to be another great partnership for us as well. Can you talk a little bit about the application process? Like if somebody wants to apply, how they be a part of the next cohort? Yeah. So we just started our call for applications for cohort two. That is until June 30th, people can apply. And it's online. It's quite short. We we do have some, you know, you need to answer some questions. (laughs) But we didn't want to make it some super lengthy thing that was going to scare people. Yeah. So it, it's it's not that long, um, and it's all online. You submit it, and then we will get back to you. And um, if we decide that the company is potential, we will schedule an interview with our screening committee, and they will come into the office if they're on island or able to come over. If otherwise, we can do Skype or, or Google Hangouts, and we do those. And then we go through another screening, and then that's mainly the process. Nice. Yeah. Do you guys have a scheduled date? To launch the next cohort, or? I don't think we have an exact date. I probably could find it in our calendar somewhere, yeah. but it, it's in it's in August, early August. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this year then. Yeah. This. Oh yeah. We do two a year. Two a year. Yeah. Okay. So it'll be August, and our showcase, I believe, is at the end of October. Wow. Yeah, we already have that scheduled. So you're doing three months program, three months off, three months. Wow. I wouldn't quite say off. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, oh. We're recruiting. We've got interviews. Uh, wow. Is it busier during the cohort session or all of this stuff in between? That's a good question. I think it's it's just different busy. Different when we've got the cohort going, you know, we ha- basically have 10, I wouldn't call them babies, but they're, you know, they're like our babies. Oh, yeah. And so we want to do everything we can to help them. And they're, you know, pinging us with questions or we're facilitating introductions. People are coming in for meetings with, with, you know, mentors that are flying in. So that's always when it's just really busy. Mm-hmm. But we still, you know, can't take our eye off the ball where, you know, we're forging large strategic partnerships mm-hmm. and other things happening that are really important for the sustainability of the program as well as helping the companies in addition, of course, to the minutia and all the the smaller things that are happening while we're in the midst of the program. So I'd say I'd say probably during programs a little bit more hectic because we have to do the strategic stuff all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you balance your time? So I'd say it's hard to balance. I'd say like it goes in ebbs and flows Mm -hmm. where sometimes I have zero balance and sometimes I'll absolutely have balance. I'll take a couple days off or um, actually when I, before I started Mana Up, went on a month retreat and trekked to Nepal with some friends. And that was, you know, to me really important for more of a kind of a reset and really get my head in the game of like what I was doing next and what Mana Up was really going to be about. And I felt like I really needed to go and spend some time in the mountains and, I, it couldn't have been a better time for me to do that. So when I came back, I hit the ground running and was really able to 
you know, work with my partners and, and get this thing going. So I think I, I create balance in my own weird ways. <laughs> but... Do you know you get do you get to a certain threshold and you're and you just know like this is the time I need to take time for myself or do you just go all the way? I used to go all the way a lot more and then I realized I was really burning myself out where I wasn't finding pleasure in what I was doing. So now I know when I start to feel like I'm running around with my head chopped off and I'm also learning how to say no to things um, and not to say yes to every request or, you know, I've got some great partners and so they're able to also do some of the speaking engagements or mentoring or other things that we get asked to do. And yeah, I'll just, I'll take a day or, you know, I'll find that it'll be the weekend and I don't want to talk to anybody and I'll know I don't. (laughs) And so it'll just be one of those weekends where I'm not available, period. And of course, by Monday, I'll be, I'll be ready and back. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm a lot more aware of it now. That's good. I know. I feel like when you're young, you just you just keep going. It's like, and you have all the energy. In the and, and you feel like all these opportunities are there one, one, one time, and you're never exactly. going to get the opportunity. So you have to say yes. you close your eyes for two seconds, yeah. it's going to be gone. The world will pass you by if you don't just, you know. So speaking of opportunities, how do you know when the opportunity is the right opportunity? So I feel like it's for maybe a young entrepreneur or a young business owner, opportunities might come their way. And, and what kind of advice would you give to someone who's choosing between maybe two good things? I think what's important is is focus, especially when you start a business. And this has happened to me where you get so many opportunities thrown your way where you feel like all of these could be that perfect yes. <laughs> decision we make that ends up completely blowing up the company in a good way. And, you know, we're going to exit in two years. And I've, I've gone through that a lot. I mean, even with Mana Up right now, we've got a lot of great opportunities and some of them are clearly good opportunities. Some of them they could be, but we can't do all of them. And so sometimes it's more of a, just a priority. It's okay. Well, where do we see the company in five years? Or ultimately let's look at what our values are and mission of the, of the company and then back into it. And then it'll make it a lot more clear as to which opportunities make more sense right now. These absolutely have to happen in order to put us in a more secure place or open other doors that'll help us make things easier in a couple months. So if you kind of look at it from those types of perspectives, I think it makes it a lot more clear. And that's what we've actually had to do. We just had a strategy session last week because we were going through just exactly this. (laughs) We're like, we want to do everything. (laughs) But I would say to think about where you ultimately want to be and how you can back into that via the decisions now and where you're going to spend your time. I mean, it's the only thing we don't have a lot of is, is time. And I know for myself, and that was like one of the things I had to think about. I actually just stepped off of a couple boards because it really is a zero sum game for me right now. Every moment I'm not spending building our company and building these opportunities for our companies. If I'm doing something else, I'm not doing this. And granted, that's also to say I am on a few boards and I really love giving back. And I am very passionate about a lot of the organizations I'm a part of. One in particular is the Patsy T. Mink Center for Business and Leadership. So I'm on their advisory council and I'm really proud of their Women's um, Leadership Alliance Fellows Group that we launched. Um, and we're recruiting right now for our third cohort. So that's that's been a really neat experience for me. But I, I've been a lot more focused on my time and, you know, whether it's time for myself or time for the things I, I'm really passionate about. And, of course, time for Mana Up. <laughs> yes. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast. We really enjoyed talking to you today. Were there any sort of last words of advice or maybe some people, mentors? We always talk about mentors on the show that you'd like to thank or somebody that helped you along the way. I would say I'd like to thank, I have so many mentors. I love mentors. I'm also a mentor to lots of of younger people, but I I also love my mentors. I love being mentored. (laughs) One of my mentors was my career coach and my life coach in San Francisco, who really helped me figure out what my next step was going to be when I was shifting from corporate world into starting my first company. And that was through a six-month process, working with her. And I, I really can't thank her enough for being that person for me. And I, we're still friends, and she's a great sounding board. I have a few mentors here in Hawaii that I don't think want to be mentioned, <laughs> but they are successful people in the business world here that I really respect their opinion on how they've approached challenges in their past and how they've helped me navigate, whether it's a political thing or just how to make decisions that I will feel good about now and in the future and not do anything as a knee-jerk reaction. So I, I, I'm really grateful for, for those people. Cool. That's so awesome. So if you want to learn more about Melly, if you want to learn more about Mana Up, you can follow their social media on Facebook, on Instagram, Mana Up Hawaii. Also visit their website to find out more about the application process, www.manaaphawaii.com. And if you want to learn more about the Pacific Current, go to the Pacific Current website and visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we'll see you in the next episode. I'm Jenica King. And this is Andrew T.